know, every week uh, we do that top three and let you know of the top three big deals at Kingwood. Did you know God has a top three of his own? It's true. God has a top three. In fact, God's top three that he has, we're going to talk about for the next, uh, this week and two more weeks afterwards. We're going to be looking at God's top three. Um, he, he makes it very plain. In fact, we read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is, everybody knows as the love chapter, but it's the top three chapter too. Look at this. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Now, what did Paul mean when he wrote this? What did he mean by these three remain? Why did he use that word, these three remain? Well, let me give you a little context so you can understand. You see, um, in, this was written as a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. Now, the church at Corinth was a large church. It had, uh, had lots of wonderful people there, lots of people that were spiritually gifted. It was a Pentecostal church. It had a lot of use of spiritual gifts in that church. But there were also lots of problems that had happened in that church. And he was writing about all those things. It was one of the longest of his letters in the New Testament. And um, in the middle of that letter, he started talking about how spiritual gifts can be misused. Now, they, they exercise spiritual gifts there, and you're supposed to. Spiritual gifts are for the church to exercise. But they were misusing them, and this is what was happening. There were some of those gifts that were very visible and very prominent, and there were people in the church who wanted to let everybody know how spiritual they were and how gifted they were, and so they would make sure that their spiritual gift was used more than somebody else's spiritual gift and it sort of became an insider click with the real spiritual people against the other people, and it caused division and worry in the church. It's something that shouldn't happen, and, and uh, that's, that's part of the problem that was going on. Now, Paul wanted them to know, please use spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are important. We need spiritual gifts in the church. We do today. We need spiritual gifts to be used in the church so that we can do the work of God. So the things we need can be provided in the body of Christ. But when they are used for the wrong motives, with the wrong motives and for the wrong purpose, then it messes up what they were originally meant to be used for. And that's why he wrote this. So in the middle of his discussion of spiritual gifts and trying to correct people about spiritual gifts, he sticks a chapter, we call, it wasn't a chapter to him, it was just a few paragraphs, and it, we call it the love chapter. And in that love chapter, this is what he wrote. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can uh, fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but don't have love, I gain nothing. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. And then he ends, of course, with this one. But there remains faith, hope, and love. 
So he, what he's saying is, there are things that are temporary. You know what's temporary? Spiritual gifts. They're not temporary in, in that they only happen in the apostolic age. They're still real. But they're temporary in that they won't last through eternity. Why would you need prophecy when you're in the presence of God? Why would you need faith when you're there? Why, why would you need, why would you need uh, tongues or why would you need knowledge or why, why would you need supernatural gifts from God when you're with him in heaven? So they're temporary in that they are bound to earth. But he said there are some things that remain. There are things that remain here, and that's what he was talking about. He's saying use spiritual gifts, but don't use them by ignoring the things that are eternal, that will last forever. And that's what they were doing in that church. So for the next, for this week and two more weeks, we're gonna look at each one of those. Faith, hope, love, and we're gonna try to sort of understand them a little bit better and ask some questions that might help us better understand. Here are the questions we're gonna ask each week, okay? Number one, what is it? Number two, why is it so important? In other words, why does it remain? And number three, how can it impact my life? All right, that'll help us understand a little bit better. So let's start with today's faith. Faith. Um, there could be, there have been countless books, sermons, dissertations, podcasts, songs written about faith. And there is no way in the world in the short amount of time we have, the next two hours, the short amount, I'm just kidding, the short amount of time we have here that I can unpack faith in every way, okay? There's no way I can do that. So what I wanna do is I, can, I wanna at least do something to help us say I know a little bit more about it than I did before I came in this morning because faith is something that can grow in us, okay? So what I wanna do, I'm gonna go on and ask question number one. Faith, what is it? Um, before I give you any biblical references, I wanna take you to something that might help, under, help you understand a context to put this in, okay? If I go to the grocery store to buy food, which by the way is something we gotta have, we gotta have it to live, we gotta have it to function on a daily basis, just like we have to have everything from God, we have to have food. If I go to the grocery store to buy food, what have I gotta do to be able to take it home? I gotta pay for it. I gotta get it, I gotta pay for it. So what am I gonna pay for it with? Well, I'm gonna use money. I'm gonna use cash or a check or a debit card or a credit card. I'm gonna use, or a gold bar, I guess, I don't know. But I gotta pay something to take something home with me. It's a currency, it's the medium of exchange. Now in the United States, if I go to the grocery store, I'm gonna use a US dollar as, as the basis of it all. I'm gonna use that, I'm gonna pay for it in dollars. That's the medium of transaction between me and the grocery store to get the things that I need. Well, in God's economy, all transactions between you and God, whether it's prayer, regardless of what it's a need that you have, anything you need from God, anything you need to talk to God about, the currency is faith. Faith is the currency with which we transact between us and God. And the Bible says it's the only currency God uses. It's the only one. 
Look at what the scripture says in Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So whenever we connect with God, if it's prayer, praise, if it's teaching, ministry, Bible study, conversation, complaining, whatever we do with God, faith is involved or it won't happen. That's how we connect with God. And notice, it requires no physical proof. We don't see God or, or he's not there that we look at him. We, he doesn't appear before us. When we talk, pray, communicate with God, it is with an invisible God. So the fact that we talk and communicate with him means there's some faith involved or we wouldn't be doing that. It's, it's different than talking to yourself. I remember when I was a kid and I, my mother would get on to me uh, mom, mom knew how to just stick it to me and send me to my room, and I'd go in my room, and I don't know about you, but I'd get in front of the mirror, and I would tell her off big time. <laughs> I'd get in front of the mirror, and I, man, I was so bold, I'd say everything. But if I heard her coming down the hall, it was over. That, was, that wasn't faith, that was just secrecy, okay? We talk to God, we don't see him, but it's faith that allows us to transact anything with him. By the way, anything God does is by faith. When we read in the Bible about the stories of healing, what is the one thing that Jesus always said about every one of them? What did he talk about? Faith. He talked about faith. He mentioned faith. It wasn't power he mentioned. It wasn't the gift he mentioned. It was faith that he mentioned. When the woman was, uh, was healed from the issue of blood, uh, 12 years she had suffered with it and she was in a crowd and she went and she touched Jesus and he said, whoa, who touched me? I felt power go out of me. And you think, oh boy, it's all about power. Uh-uh. What's the first thing he said to her? Woman, your faith has made you well. That was the currency of exchange. How did she get her healing? His power through faith. Her faith. Or when he, when he talked about the, the disciples going out and laying hands upon the sick, it was all about faith, either their faith while they prayed or the person who they prayed for's faith. Remember when Jesus even talked to Jairus, whose, whose uh, 12-year-old daughter had died, and Jairus was devastated. He, uh, he was about to ask Jesus to go home and, and heal his daughter, and he found out she was dead, and Jesus said, have faith, Jairus. Your daughter is not dead. She's just sleeping. What was the common? It was faith. Everything we get from God, every way we go to God has to go through the medium of faith. Not faith. In, in fact, that's how you get saved. You, when you get, give your heart to the Lord and become a Christian, you don't get it by getting a certificate from the church saying you joined the church. You don't get it by the little card in your, in your billfold that says, I'm a member of Kingwood Church. You don't get, that's not how you get salvation. You don't present the card. You don't get salvation through good works. You don't get through salvation for, for attendance to church. You don't, it comes through faith. Through faith in the invisible God who sees our hearts. It's, it's not in faith, faith in our doctrine. It's not faith in membership. It's faith in God, in God alone. 
our Savior, Jesus. That's what our faith is in. Some people would say, well, show me and I'll believe. Oh, isn't that the the way? Show me and I'll believe. I remember when I was in college at Samford, uh, I had to write a, a, a big research project paper about water baptism. I had to uh, go interview different uh, pastors of different denominational churches and, and see what their take was on water baptism, how they did it, why they did it, what it represented, and whatever. And um, at that time, I was working, I was already working at Kingwood as youth pastor, and um, I was, I was at, uh, at Samford, and I had gone to this uh, church, and the pastor was talking to me and asked me about being at Sanford, and he said, uh, so, so where do you go to church? And I said, well, I actually, I actually work at a church in Alabaster. I, I work at Assembly of God Church. He goes, oh, I know you folks. <laughs> You're the ones that believe miracles happen nowadays. I said, oh, yeah. I said, you don't? And I really was surprised. He said, no, that was for the apostolic age. I said, oh, Really? Well, and so I just told him about a miracle I had seen about two months earlier in Pennsylvania at a Jesus festival, which he probably wasn't excited about either. And it was a Jesus festival. You know what that was? That was Woodstock with no no drugs and nakedness. I, I said, I watched a man get out of a wheelchair who had cerebral palsy, and he got out of a wheelchair and his arms straightened out. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, I saw it with my own eyes. And he said, and I said, do you don't believe me? He goes, you have to show me and I believe you. And I said, well, read the newspaper article. They wrote a newspaper article about it. He goes, I said, well, do you think I'm lying? He goes, I don't know. I just, I just don't believe it. He said, show me and I'll believe it. And I said, well, you probably won't ever see it because God says it the other way. Believe you and I'll show you. I, 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 that stuck with me. It still sort of hangs with me, as you can tell by me telling the story. <laughs> Johnny Erickson Tata wrote this. Faith isn't the ability to believe, believe long and far into the future. Faith is taking God at his word and taking the next step. That's right. Andrew Murray, love this guy, Scottish guy. He said, faith expects from God what is beyond all expectation. Whoa, I like that. Here's some ways that you can, you can think about what faith is, okay? Here's some ways. Faith is surrendering to God, not working up a feeling. Does that help? Faith is trusting God regardless of the circumstances around you. Faith doesn't require proof as a prerequisite. Faith grows while it's used and shrinks when it is ignored. Faith gets stronger when it's exercised. You know, when you, when you first maybe start praying for people that are sick, maybe, maybe somebody, maybe you're in the grocery store. I've been to the grocery store twice already this morning, it appears. And say you're in the grocery store and you see somebody that's sick and, and you say, hey, can I pray for you? And you pray for them. And you say, you know, I just want to pray for you. And they go, well, it still hurts. Are you going to quit praying then? No, because you exercise faith. Just that faith exercise gives you the power to say, well, I'm going to keep praying until I see what happens. And eventually you start doing that enough and all of a sudden you'll start seeing 
that begin to happen. You exercise faith and it gets stronger even in you. But if you let one thing throw you, and say, oh, I'm giving up on that, you'll be in the same boat that that pastor I talked about a minute ago was in. Show me and I'll believe. That's not where we are. Look at the scripture, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Well, this is the word of Christ. And so the more you, more you get into this, the more you, you uh, begin to read what God says in here and you begin to believe what he says in here, the stronger your faith will be. It is tied directly to what God says in his word. Faith is a free gift from God, but he gives it to you so you can turn it back and give it back to him. You exercise your faith toward God. He gives you faith. You give your faith back toward God. You see how it can grow? Faith always gets God's attention. Did you notice that in the Bible? How many times did Jesus say, I've never seen such great faith in all of Israel, or your faith has made you well, or you show great faith. Faith always gets God's attention. And faith always produces good fruits. Always produces good fruit. In Hebrews 11, we read what we, people would call the definition of faith. Faith is the evidence of things not seen, etc. Well, the reason he said that in Hebrews 11, the first part of Hebrews, is because the whole chapter of Hebrews 11 is about people who believed God when the circumstances said otherwise. The whole thing, every one of those were impossibilities that he talks about. Every one of them, and he said, by faith, so-and-so, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, they raised the dead. By faith, they won victories. By faith, this, that, the other. He said all of those things were by faith. None of those said by spiritual maturity, by prophecy, by church membership, by good work. That, it was always faith, 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 faith. Faith is the currency with which we transact our lives with God. Everything is by faith. So now you may understand a little bit better about what faith is. So why does it remain? Why is it so important? Why does it remain? Here's why. Because faith has eternal consequences. Faith has eternal consequences. Heaven is only filled with people who put their faith in Christ. Pretty, pretty good, isn't it? Faith is filled with people who put their faith in Christ. Faith is the currency of the Christian life. It's how we reach God. It's how we ultimately end up going to God. It's by faith. I'll remind you that in, the, in chapter 12, uh, which is right, right before chapter 13 that I just read this from, the Bible mentions faith as a spiritual gift. As a spiritual gift. What that means is that it's, that it's a spiritual gift to be able to believe God even though you don't see him. You believe God for the impossible. That's a spiritual gift. <laughs> you know, it's funny that when he wrote uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 and he's correcting them about spiritual gifts, he didn't give any correction to them about the gift of faith, did he? You know why? Because it's eternal. It's how we connect with God. It's how we connect with God. It's the gift that remains. So here's the third one. How can it impact my, my life? 
How can faith impact my life? Well, I'm glad you asked. First of all, faith is the only way to receive salvation. Now, that would be a pretty good impact. The fact that you go to heaven instead of hell, that's a pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. And there's only one way to get saved, as we say. There's only one way, and that is through faith. Through faith. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. Through faith. That's how we come to Christ. It's the most important thing of all. Don't miss the big deal. Don't miss it. I was listening the other day to Keith Green, who was one of my favorite singers. I, I still have all the Keith Green songs. Love them. And there's one called Altar Call. And uh, it says, some people don't find out till they're half dead that they need another life. And then it ends, some people won't find out till it's too late. And that's true. Some people don't understand how important faith is. One day they will see how important faith in Christ is. One day they will see that. But there's no guarantee because it's their choice. Folks, faith's a big deal. It remains. How can it impact your life? Well, first of all, by giving your heart to Christ. Giving your heart to Christ and coming to him in faith. You know, um, I, let, me, let me mention a few things. This is just from my heart and some examples of them, all right? How does it impact your life? Faith can turn worry into prayer. When you, we just talked about it in Anxious for Nothing series. When the Bible says pray about everything. When you're anxious, when you're filled with worry, the Bible says pray. What do you do? You pray. Pray, when you pray to God, you're praying to God you don't see, but you're taking worry and you're turning it over to him and what it's happening is he's giving you faith to get through. Faith turns worry into prayer. That's why you pray. How about this one? Faith can turn conflict into connection. Uh, when you have conflicts with one another, I don't care if it's in marriage or if it's somebody attacking you on the outside. When you have conflict, faith is the thing that can keep you from turning into hate and a, a, a barrier between you and another person. I, I, I remember um, years ago, there was someone in our congregation who, who had a, just a terrible problem with a neighbor. And every time they went outside, there was always an argument with the neighbor. And they came to the Lord and said, what I, what I do, what I do. And so with some counsel, they said, why don't you do this? Just love them. Just do everything you can to be kind. And I remember the story. I remember them coming and saying, <laughs> I, I just started taking them food and just loving on them. And they, were, they got mad every time I brought them something. And one day they said, why are you so nice? <laughs> because Jesus lives in my heart. Do you know that that neighbor came to the altar at this same church? You know why? Because God turned conflict through faith into connection. That's how lives can be changed. Faith can turn complaining into gratitude. How about that? It's true. I remember 
uh, my first missions trip I ever went on. I mean, I'm just a little scrawny 20 something year old guy that had never been on a missions trip. And, and I, you know, I, they were saying volunteer for a job. Well, I volunteered to mix cement. It's okay. But they said, I want you to mix it on the ground, not in a cement mixer, on the ground. Pick up these big old things, lay them out, squirt water on there, and with a shovel, try to mix the cement faster than the guys were going to be using it. Well, let me tell you what, that was rough. That was rough. I got some help finally, and we, we were mixing the cement, and it was just, it was terrible. I, I thought, this is the dumbest job I've ever had in my life. I don't know. They got the wrong guy for this, man. I was, I, and you know what? I remember the Lord inside of me. I, I, I'm not the Lord. It was me inside going, I want to I quit. I want to quit doing this real quick. And then the guy with me said, you know what? I wouldn't be doing this, but I'm not doing this for myself. I'm doing it for Jesus. Faith went up in me, and I just kept mixing cement. You know why? Because it turned complaint into gratitude. I'm doing this for the kingdom, not for myself. Faith can turn doubt into confidence. Faith can turn doubt into confidence. Uh, another story, I remember at, when I was in college, there was this speaker that came, and they always allowed speakers to come, and they would give different viewpoints on things. Well, this speaker didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus and didn't believe in the second coming of Jesus and just laid out this reason why he didn't believe it. And here all, we're all ministerial students and we're listening to this and some people are going, well, it makes sense to me. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness. And it was so logical and wonderful the way you put it together. I just remember going, oh no, oh no. And I, and I, I remember walking across the, the, uh, the campus back to my dorm in my little green running suit, jumping over the bush and running on into my dorm. And I remember going up there and I, I had tears in my eyes and I, and I thought, it, it, is he right? Is he right? He gave so many good ideas. Is it right? Is what he said right? And I got my Bible. I remember I got my Bible and I got on the edge of the bed and I said, God, I am not going to change what I believe until you show me in this, in this Bible. And all of a sudden, I just felt faith rise inside of me. And all of a sudden, I just saw clearly, I saw clearly that he had forgotten to say anything about the truth that's in this word. He was totally going by his own opinion. And it became so plain to me. God, through just faith, just going down and saying, God, I'm gonna take it to prayer. I'm gonna hold on to your word. Faith took doubt and shattered it for me. Faith can move a mountain. How can it affect your life? It can move a mountain. Um, I think it was my third year as a master's commission director here. I had 12 students. And um, we got to do the first school assembly we ever did. We did hundreds of them over the years. But the very first one was in Paducah, Kentucky, at the largest school in Paducah, uh, Paducah Tillman High School. And uh, we, we sort of got an invitation sideways through somebody and they said, will you come do a, 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 a school assembly to help people know to do the right things and not do drugs and stuff like that. So we agreed. 
And so I, I remember we were scared to death. We got everything together. It was just 12 of us, 12 little Alabama folks. And um, we went in the principal's office. The principal's a really stately kind of guy. And he said, now, first of all, let's go over the rules. And he started telling all the rules. And he said, there will be, you cannot use religious terms over the microphone. You cannot, uh, you cannot pray over the microphone. You cannot do anything like that. And he said, uh, I want to tell you that we've not had a school assembly in two years because the last one we had, there was a riot. And uh, I can't promise you that they, won't, that they will listen to you today. This is a very unruly school. And um, he said, I can't promise it. And so I, I'm, at this point, I'm sitting there going, good grief. Our very first school assembly was like, was like the Red Sea, man. And I said, okay. And then the principal said, let's pray. <laughs> and he got down on his knees. We got down on our knees. And when he started crying, going, God, do something with my school. And he prayed like a prophet. I'm talking, he prayed. And we prayed, and all of a sudden, faith began to rise inside of me. And we went out there, and it was a double-decker gym. That's how big the school was. Double-decker gym with very rowdy students. And the very first thing we did, I'll never forget, the first thing we did was a human video, which was a new thing back in the day, and they laughed. They thought it was hilarious. And, it, and I thought, oh, dear. And they laughed. But then we just kept going, and the speakers kept going. And saying things and talking about, uh, about a change of life without even using the name of Jesus. And it got quieter and quieter and quieter. And then at the end, we were at this place where we said, if you're ready to say, I'm not going to follow everybody else. I'm going to do the right thing. Stand. And one person stood and another and another and another and another. And hundreds started standing up. And we were just like shocked at what happened. Hundreds were standing up. And we said, well, uh, thank, you for, thank you for coming. If you want to talk to any of us, come down on the floor. They flooded the floor. And before I know I'm looking over there and my people are praying with people. And their people are crying. Some people are on their knees praying. They're praying with groups of people. And the school counselor came up to me and said, excuse me, my office is flooded with people. Can, can, you, you, can I have some of your people to help me counsel? And I said, sure, what are the rules? She said, honey, there are no rules. <laughs> there were many that came into the kingdom. <laughs> Let me tell you what I learned. Faith can move mountains. And you know whose faith it was? That principle who, did, who did, went by the rules but knew Jesus could go beyond the rules, and he did. He did. Faith can move mountains. Matthew 17, 20 says this. Jesus replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. You know, I am confident that I'm one of those people that God would say, Mark, you need more faith. 
but a mustard seed will do today. Just use a mustard seed worth today. I know I'm one of those people because the enemy attacks with doubt all the time. Are you, are you like that? Isn't it amazing that God, God uses mustard seed people too? God uses mustard seed. There, there are times Jesus said, you need more faith. Oh, you have little faith. And then he said, all it takes is a mustard seed. And you know what I think? I think part of the reason that is faith is measured differently than we measured on earth. God measures faith by how much hope and love go with it. I don't think he measures faith by power. He measures faith by the hope and love that are also eternal that go with it. Today, I believe God is going to speak to hearts of people today. There are going to be some people in the room that go, I've never exercised faith in my life. I've always been a worry ward. I've always seen everything by earth's view. But today, I'm ready for a change. I'm ready. I'm ready today. That school in Paducah, Kentucky was ready. It was ready. You're ready today. And God's going to help you today. Would you stand with me? You know, faith grows. I want faith to grow while we're in the middle of this song. One, one last song before we have our prayer team come. Faith grows. I want your faith while you sing this to grow. I want it to grow because that's how God is going to speak to you.